Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. I'm joined in studio this week by my very special friends, Nikki and Joel. We've been talking about eating disorders all week, and on today's episode, we discuss openly talking about that thing at meetings. Is it considered an outside issue? Is it something that you can comfortably share in a meeting? Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. about the dysmorphia like I I might not have an eating disorder dysmorphia is something I definitely grappled with Um, and because I remember my favorite things um, my mom like producer Char's mom says the wrong thing for things and I was telling my mom like what I felt and I uh, how I felt like I looked and I drew this I'm no artist, but I drew this picture of myself, what I thought I looked like. And she drew a picture of what she sees. And she goes, you have circus eyeballs. <laughs> and I had to figure out what that meant was when you go to a fun house and you're looking in the fun house mirror and it's all distorted. That's what she meant by that. But I do have major dysmorphia. I know that. And it's like, that is something that's gotten, you know, it's because a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of it's like in culture and the media and everybody and I, I like you don't know that people buy a special three hundred dollar light to put on their face when they take selfies. I didn't know that till I went to Bottle Rock this year, and so yeah, and somebody's like, "Oh, get your picture taken with that light." And finally, I found myself acceptable in a picture, and I was like, "I've got out. What is that light? I think it's called a Lumiere. It's, it's something like that." But everybody's like, "You've never heard of it? That's what Kim Kardashian uses. She won't take a selfie without that." And I'm like. Fuck that. Fuck these people who are creating this fake thing that I'm comparing myself to. You know, that I think I'm not supposed to have any lines around my eyes because that's what filters, you know, because there's there's stuff that takes that out of pictures. So I look in the mirror and I judge myself so harshly and I'm like, oh, my God, when did I become this old hag? You know, and like it's like I don't even want to make eye contact with people sometimes. and I just feel so ugly. And then I'll be like the fuck is that like Mm -hmm. who who is inside me telling myself that like where is that coming from and a lot of it i think is comparison it's like looking at something airbrushed and going oh that's what i'm supposed to look like or you know thrown in our face every single day i mean you walk i mean we walk outside of the studio right now and there's billboards there's i mean it's just constantly thrown in our face and sometimes i mean i know for me i just have to close my eyes and it's like if i'm gonna look in the mirror and start saying negative things then i fucking look away or there are times where it's like i feel like shit about my body and i will literally come out of the shower walk around naked in my bedroom be like girl i love your curves you are so sexy and like i'll smack my butt (laughs) And it's like, yeah, that sounds silly, but like, it's like just everything that I need. And it's like, you know, like touching on what Joelle said, it's no matter how small I got, it was never enough. Just like everything in my life is never enough. You know, I'm never good enough. I'm never thin enough. Um, I can't ever get enough booze in my body. Can never smoke enough weed. Like, Uh you know, I can never get enough food if I'm binging. Um, It's like never enough. And every single day, you know, and Joelle has this great bracelet that says I am enough. And it's like... Like, that's the affirmation right there that I try to say every single day to heal through all this bullshit. Yeah. It's not bullshit, but I mean. No, yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's like that everybody, I think, has a little bit of dysmorphia. You know, it's like all my friends 
Except some people. It's like sometimes I'll see people. I'm like, dude, tone it down. Who told you you're awesome? What is that shit that's coming out of your mouth? Like, why do you think you're rad? You're horrible. You know, like there's those three people in the world that everybody kind of knows. But then the rest of it, it's like all our friends will say something like, oh, well, I look so fat. You know, it's like, what? No, you don't. It's like it'll it'll just be something that blows my mind. Or like, Joelle, like when you were asking me if like if your pictures look like you and I was like. I couldn't even respond because I was so confused. Like, who else would they look like? It's a photograph of you. Like, you're not, you don't go get them airbrushed and do the Kardashian whatever. Like, that's you with a real picture and a camera and a light. Not even a light. I mean, like, the sunlight that doesn't fix anything. Well, I so, think part of that is that we listen to other people's opinions. I mean, not mm-hmm. only are we getting blasted with, like, social media, which is one reason that I started Stop Following People that I felt were promoting body dysmorphia. Mm. And so I had to kind of walk away from that and then slowly keep like removing. And I thought, oh, I'm following the vegan page or like the deer butt page and then realizing that, no, like <laughs> that's not helping. Um, but, you know, getting into this place of of realizing, I guess maybe striving for, for balance and, um, and self-acceptance and knowing that we're not going to fit into an image that other people want us to be and you know that it and that specific thing with like the picture thing there was you know certain things that people had said to me that just triggered um my eating disorder or my body dysmorphia but in a way it was really helpful because it just brought me back to this level of mindfulness getting to know about it pray about it um talking about it to you and to nikki and you know, getting into the solution. And, you know, I had like a really bad episode, which I think was probably the last one that took it to another level as I was working up um, up north. And I walked by this mirror and I just saw myself and I just looked so huge that I, I literally wanted to commit suicide. I'm like, I'm almost three years sober and there's no way that I can walk around looking like this. And I just went in the bathroom and I cried and I had been feeling like that for a couple of days and I hadn't reached out to anybody. And I reached out to Nikki and, and I was like, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. I don't know what to do. And she just reached out right back with ideas and suggestions and, I just jumped on it and, you know, and also early on in sobriety for me, just working with my first sponsor, she would always remind me, which I always thought was really cheesy. She'd be like, look in the mirror every day and say, I love you. And I'd sometimes just look at my eyes or just like quickly look and um, but try to focus and find something lovable about myself. And it's, you know, it's definitely taken a couple of years to get in a place where I can talk about it and I can look for a solution rather than continually torturing myself. Yeah. And I think a lot the one thing is that meetings, for example, are kind of supposed to be like on topic. And I feel like there's not this doesn't get like talked about a lot. You know what I mean? Or it's like mixed company in a meeting. So even though I've been in like rehabs with guys that had eating disorders just as bad as girls. And I didn't even, I didn't, I mean, well, I was only like 22 when I found that out. But the rest of my life before that, I didn't know the guys could have eating disorders. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in treatment with a guy who was actually bulimic and a guy who was anorexic. And it was, I didn't know that it also affected men. But I know that 
people don't talk about it a lot because it's almost like, you know, the, the way people don't talk about politics at meetings. I get that. And that shouldn't happen. People should not discuss politics. Leave that for your Facebook feed. Like we're here to recover. But eating disorders and outside issues like that, I think, are perfectly acceptable. But I think maybe people are too embarrassed to talk about it. Or to say, like, I'm going through this. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always put in any of my shares. I always say, you know, Nikki, alcoholic. Um, also, like, you know, I'm in recovery and recover from an eating disorder. And here are all my different mental health issues that I have. Because I've had many people come up to me after I share and they say, thank you so much. Like, because I'm there, too. And it, it, it's actually really powerful how many of us in the rooms have an eating disorder Uh are struggling you know with that or have struggled in our past um it's just it's insane um so i think it's really for me it's important for me to to speak up my truth and all of it um you know because it it can definitely touch people yeah it totally makes a difference i mean this morning i was feeling nervous about coming on here and so i got on my bike and i rode to the 7 30 meeting and at one point i felt my heart palpitating and I was like okay that means you need to share and I just said yeah you know this is what's going on kind of talked about the topic but then said I'm going to do this podcast and we're going to be talking about eating disorders and and other things and I know this is an outside issue but I for me you know trauma kind of led to a couple of things in my life that became tools and at some point it was almost like a you know, an asset, an asset for protection, an asset for control of your environment until it gets to a place of it spiraling out and it turns into more of a defect and and uh, hurting yourself. And after the meeting today, I had a couple of women come up to me and going, oh, I have that too. And like, thank you so much. And and what's the podcast? I'm like, I'm not telling any of you, but um, (laughs) maybe I'll tell a few. (laughs) Just tell the few who you want to hear the message. Yes. Right. No, I totally I've I've noticed how eating disorders are they almost go hand in hand with the because like everybody I've been in treatment with, there's been so many rampant eating disorders and people hiding it. And almost like there was a few people where I felt like because one thing I liked about drugs was the ritual, you know, like the cooking it up, the injection, like, you know, that's part of what I loved about it. And well, I love the drugs. That's what I loved about it. But it's 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 definitely something I missed, you know, was having that whole thing. And I felt like a lot of the girls who had eating disorders, they had a ritual. And I almost felt like maybe like that was part of the addiction too to the eating disorder is like I'm still having this controlled ritual or like this is what I'm I'm still doing. And um like there was a lot of people who would, you know, were controlling the vomiting and it's almost like I can to me it was like I felt like they just like they want to just do something bad and get away with it. Like, okay, I'm not gonna you know do drugs anymore, but I'm gonna go spray paint houses and get away with it. And like we had a whole meeting and a whole group around how wrong I was about that. It was so there was so all of my eating disorder assumptions were wrong. And it, one one woman pointed it out because I was so pissed because we didn't get to eat sweets in this one rehab ever. And the chef made like pineapple upside down cake, not chef. I just made it sound like something Betty Ford. It was not the Betty, but <laughs> dude made a pineapple upside down cake anyway. And we weren't really allowed to have sugar throughout the week. I was like, excuse me, need to get my piece. And this girl standing there 
taking so much of it, and I know where it's going, the toilet, and I just lost it. And I was like, no, that is for my belly. That is not going in the toilet. That is a delicious piece of cake. And I flipped out, and we got into a fight, and then we had to have, like, counseling together. And she said, you know, when, like, she goes, you know, like, when you get up to the buffet and you're eating, like, you're eating all the crap food, like, whatever. And she goes, what if it was a buffet of heroin and cocaine? And I was like, oh, <laughs> Oh, that never occurred to me that. So for her eating was just as hard. And that was like awful. I was like, oh, my God, Mm -hmm. eating is just as hard for her as it is, you know, as staying off drugs. Like she has that kind of trauma with eating the same way I would if I'm clean and I go out and there's people doing drugs. And I'm like, oh, my God, she feels that way every time we eat. And then I really felt a whole new sense of compassion. And this was before I considered myself an alcoholic because I remember like booze, whatever you guys are stupid. And like one of the old ladies, because that's how I associate anybody who drank and was an alcoholic. They're all old, Um, (laughs) which is what I became drinking. (laughs) (laughs) But like they're they're like, what if you had to go to the grocery store? Because I was like, why can't you guys be sober? You guys are so stupid, said I in a town where there was no heroin (laughs) when I got out. But they're like, what if you went into, you know, Ralph's or Safeway or or whatever, and there's a heroin aisle? And I was like, oh. And that gave me a whole new, you know, line of respect for the alcoholics. Cut to later in life when I am an alcoholic. And I think, remember I was talking to you, Joel. We were in Safeway, and I'm like, when I just want to get cheese, why did the vodka have to be there? You know what I mean? I'm just trying to get cheese. And there's this row of vodka. Why do they have to be next to each other? Because I like cheese. You know? And it's like... <laughs> and I like vodka. Yeah. it did, But it's all about, like, how you work on yourself. Yeah. You know? And, well, and it's like you need food to survive. You know? Yes. It's like, yeah, okay, you can't have heroin I mean, to survive. You have to eat food. And things, you know, I know Joelle and I have talked about so much. It's just like, you know, sometimes our eating disorder is more powerful than our alcoholism. And, really? you know, it just... Absolutely. And it's just because... I can push booze aside and abstain, but I can't abstain from eating. Well, and, you have to. And food was my first, you know, drug of choice. And, you know, I would always numb out as a kid to hide my anxiety and my depression by literally like my parents would like, you know, put a restriction diet on me as like a seven year old. And then I would go downstairs, steal some ice cream from the downstairs fridge, go pretend I'm taking out the trash and go hide behind a dumpster and like eat ice cream as a kid in shame and fear and that's you know and then it just as soon as I got rid of the booze and drugs it's you know food came back and it's like when I don't want to feel and because I hate feelings um, you know and I'm having to learn how to feel in sobriety uh, I immediately want to numb out and that's the easiest thing to do which is to go do it with food and so where I was so restrictive it became full-on binging constantly Especially, I mean, all those freaking treats that they bring to the dang right? meetings. The donuts, the cookies. I mean, especially sugar, because the whole mm-hmm. thing with us, I mean, you know, eating a cookie or a donut is so much like having the first drink for an alcoholic. Like, I never understood why they said it's the first drink that gets you drunk. And it's because, you know, when I, I fantasize, oh, I'm going to have a glass of champagne and I can do this. It's like, then I'm going to be like, wait, there's still more in the bottle. Are you going to drink that? And, uh-huh. oh, I'm going to go to the store and get wine. And then the next day I'm like, gosh, maybe I should just get some vodka and not go to work today. It's the same thing. you know I've done with with food and especially sugar that leads to it it's like okay well I'm going to choose to eat this food and enjoy it like I'll start with something like 
coconut peanut butter ice cream organic at Whole Foods and then the next day I'll be like oh well I'm going to have Whole Foods pizza and then I'm doing an advertisement for Whole Foods. I know well, that's <laughs> okay. Maybe <laughs> they'll send us free stuff. I know yeah. right? <laughs> Let us stay after 9 o'clock on Friday. Whole 360 is that what their thing's called? <laughs> Whole, or like 365. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 360 that's not yeah. okay. But then it just ends up like you know going to the next level of like well I'm going to eat whatever half like you know glazed donut is left at the fellowship and now I'm going to go to Safeway and and you just kind of continue this pattern. And with, you know, in the beginning of sobriety, which I ended up gaining a bunch of weight, I remember there was times that I'd hide from both of you guys to go and eat. And I would go like I would remember like sneaking upstairs in my room with like a pizza. And it was like the one thing that I could do because I was so friggin' uncomfortable. And like I think we've all said before in meetings, it's like it's like whack-a-mole. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. smoke pot, whack that down. I'm not gonna take out of van, whack that down. I'm not gonna, you know, drink, whack that down, and then pop, here comes an insecurity, here comes an eating disorder, and here comes over exercising, and now I'm shopping for yoga pants all day. Like it just it's always about whacking something down because we're trying to for me trying to control something trying to find ease and comfort and you know through this process you know not only spending time with you guys but just fucking showing up and doing the work like you start to get this place of balance and mindfulness and you're realizing that you have a choice and that it's okay to be uncomfortable and to write it like being here and doing this is so freaking uncomfortable which is why I'm doing it like we were I think Nikki and I were kind of in the same place uh, recently and I was like going through a lot of panic and going through a lot of body dysmorphia and and anxiety and I was like I need to be in the solution maybe I can help somebody and I just texted you and was like Dana like can I come on and can we talk about this topic and I'm going to ask Nikki if she wants to and you're like fuck yeah like let's do it I've been waiting for you guys to and then do after it that, I'm like, like what the fuck was I thinking like this is so awkward but um, you know actually it's it's good it's good to be uncomfortable it's good to be here with you ladies. what I what I heard when I first came into these room or into the rooms was get comfortable being uncomfortable and so it's every single day like I mean I have spent my whole life being uncomfortable but it's just like you know it's it's going against the stream it's you know everybody we live in a world of people drinking and dieting is the norm you know and we face something every single day where it's going against what the world is doing and you know great if it works for other people but it doesn't work for for me or you no. and so but like how powerful it is that we can hold each other's hands through it and you know, I mean, you've just been such a cheerleader and such an advocate for me, Joel, like through it all. And you too, Dana. I mean, I remember like one time going to like somebody's engagement party and there was a picture of me on Facebook and I was like, oh my God, I look like a whale. And I get a text <laughs> from you that night and you're just like, reel it in everyone. Like the most gorgeous woman in the world is Nikki. And it was just like, <laughs> like how amazing like so that we have each other just to say, hey, like I know it's hard and you're going through something, but like we're here to remind you how amazing amazing you are like and and absolutely mean it from the bottom of our hearts i mean that's just so cool and you know and it's because getting sober like it's these friendships these bonds that are real that are just so incredible um because of our sobriety you know and and we hold each other up and when life knocks us on our ass you know like i said earlier like you guys just reach out your hands and pull me right back up 
Thanks to Nikki and Joelle for being my guests this week. If you would like to contact us, it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's at Radio Rehab Dana, and you can also go to Radio.Rehab. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episodes where we talk about self-care. Keep coming back. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll If they